But yeah, so tonight we're kicking off Hype Beast. Somebody is probably wondering what a Hype Beast is. I got a lot of funny text messages about Hype Beast, and I'm not going to repeat them because that persons or persons would know that I was talking about them. But I got some funny questions about Hype Beast. So what is a Hype Beast? Somebody say, what is a Hype Beast? Man, I love how animated we are at this church. I love it. I love it. What is a Hype Beast? A Hype Beast is a beast that's made of hype. Is that all your uh, Bible degree got you there, Pastor? Yes, it is. Um, no, it's a hype beast. The hype beast are ideas, notions, culture, things in our world that are designed to devour us, things that will take truths in our lives and pervert them, corrupt them, and to take us away from what God has for us. Ideas and notions that come from the world, that is culture that works against us, that is only designed is to get you wrapped up on what's going on, what's coming up, what's the next wave of things, designed to get you you distracted away from what God actually has for you, what God's word actually says. That's why we call them hype beasts. And it's better than a cool hashtag because there's a really cool hashtag called hype beast with lots of fashion on it. But I digress. We call it the hype beast because there are some things that I felt like the Lord was saying to our church specifically and to Greater Grand Rapids as a whole and this generation of people that he really wants to make some things clear. There are some things that are online, that are on the board, that have been up for discussion. I think God really has something to say about it because how many of you know your God doesn't just sit on a throne up there and watch things go on. No, he wants to be involved in these conversations. Amen? And so we're going to talk about some of those things. But tonight, we're kicking it off with a message that I've appropriately titled. Ready for this? Whenever I say that, I'm going to get that, nah, nah, nah. I'm going to get that going. We're going we're gonna to throw it back to Space Jam. Y'all ready for this? So my message is this. You ready? Potion or portion? Write that down. Potion or portion? Turn and ask your neighbor. Y'all need a potion or do you need a portion? Ask your neighbor, say, do you need a potion or do you need a portion? Fantastic. Oh, man. All right. Steve are confused right now. It'll make sense later. Don't you worry about a thing. All right. Y'all got your Bibles tonight? All right. We're coming out of the book of Psalms. Somebody say Psalms. Adrian and I were in youth ministry for a long time, and we had a bunch of kids that couldn't pronounce it, and they'd be like, yeah, I was reading Psalms the other day, and I'm just like, at least you're reading the Bible, man. I don't know that book, but at least you read the Bible. It's good. But Psalms 73, 23 to 26, if you don't have your Bibles tonight, it's going to be up on the Sky Bible back here. We love the Sky Bible. Y'all ready? Y'all there? Y'all in your version Bible apps ready to go? And the AC came on, and the Lord was good because your boy's up here sweating in his jacket. All right, Psalms 33, 23 through 26 says this. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you will revive me to, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Doesn't that sound like good news? Fantastic. Y'all mind if we pray one more time before we go any further? Jesus, we just thank you for tonight. God, we, we love that psalm and we join with Dave and we sing it, God, that you are our portion forever, God. Jesus, in this moment right now, 
And I hope in the days and the weeks and the months and the years to come, God, but right now in this moment, Jesus, we want nothing less than you. We want nothing more than you. In this moment, Jesus, we are setting apart this time right here, right now. Zero distractions. We're not on Snapchat. We're not answering emails. No, 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 God. This moment right here, God, is for you, Jesus. So come, have your way. Mess us up from the inside out. I think I speak for everybody, God, when we're not content being who we are right now. We want to be more like you, Jesus. We understand that you love us just as we are, but not enough to leave us where you found us, God. So we thank you for that promise, and we thank you that right now you are shaping and you are shifting things on the inside of us to make us more like your son, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we said, amen. So, potion or portion? I thought that was really funny. Y'all know those people that still drink with their, their pinky up? Anyways, potion or portion. I love this psalm, and I love all of psalms, but I really love this one, and I love David. David wrote this song. Y'all know who David is? Okay, if you don't know who David is, I'm going to give you a bit of context, because I think context is everything. Is context everything? Context is everything. So here's David. If you don't know David, David is an old king back in the Old Testament. David, you've probably heard referenced a lot when people say David versus Goliath. Y'all ever heard that? Do I got any church kids in the house that heard David versus Goliath? Okay, if you're like me, I didn't grow up in church. I heard David versus Goliath in sports. Anybody ever hear it in sports? They were like, oh, we got a real David versus Goliath on our hands. That's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it works out for him. You know what I'm saying? Three people in here have watched dodgeball. Awesome. But David versus Goliath is when a small person or a small team goes against a big person or a big team or another level up or another division up. Is that making sense? So that's David. He's the one that brought down Goliath. He first fought a bear and then he fought a lion and then he beat Goliath. That's David. So David is this guy. He used to be, he used to be king and he's actually the one that Jesus came through. His lineage, that family line is the one that has directly led to Jesus and Mary and the whole nine yards. So here's David. David used to be king. David is awesome. David used to have long hair and played the harp. He danced in his undies. And I'm catching you up on like years of Sunday school that I've never been to. But I'm assuming this is how they said it. He had long hair, he played a harp, and he danced his undies. Something's up with David. Just saying. It's too cold outside, fam. I'm saying. Long hair. Don't care. So here's David. And David, if you don't know, was actually the runt of the litter. David had a bunch of brothers who were all looked over picked over. They tested their muscles. They saw him run. They heard him talk. They did all of these things to test David's brothers to see if they were fit to be king. So David was so passed over in this time. Y'all with me tonight? David was so passed over that the guy who was actually going, okay, we see this one, we see this one, we see this one. And they were like, I thought you had another son. There's only however many here. And he goes, well, yeah, I do have a son. David's dad says, I do have a son, but you wouldn't be interested in him. It couldn't possibly be David. Well, why, why couldn't it be David? Because David's small, he has long hair, and he plays the harp in his underwear. That's why you could not pick David. And they, sure enough, they brought David. They went and got him. He was out in the field. He tended sheep. David has long hair, playing a harp in a field in his underwear. Come on, this guy. But something about that was enough for them to go, this is the guy. This is to be our king. This is who's going to take over for King Saul. This is 
David King David. How many of you know you might be anointed to do something, but sometimes before you get the assignment, before you get there, you have to go back to what you were doing. See, David, before he was king, he actually had to go back to the fields and he had to go back to the sheep. You see, when you were a shepherd, what you do with sheep is this. Sheep have a, I don't know the correct word I want to use here, but man, they got a real problem where they like to roll around in the mud in their own poop. Okay? I don't know if you ever ripped open a pillow before and you saw some fluffiness in there. Okay? Imagine picking poop and mud out of that on the daily. <laughs> I'm saying. So we got to pray for David. That's nasty. So here he is. He gets a call to be king. And he has to go back to the fields and tend to his sheep and all these things. Another funny thing about David is this. David, while he was king, David was married. While David was king and while David was married, he seduced a woman who was also married. So while David was king and married, had an affair with another married woman, had a child with her, she became pregnant, and then out of that whole situation and setup, sent her husband to die on the front lines of war, all so that he could hide all of this. This is David. Did I get most of his story? Am I missing much? I mean, it's kind of a broad stroke, right? That's David. Another thing that I left out is this, though. So amidst the harp and the long hair and the pick and poop out of sheep and doing things with women he shouldn't be doing things with, murder, adultery. David was known for this. David was known as a man after God's own heart. Do I got any justice freaks in the house? Anybody who just loves justice? I myself have a really hard time understanding this, grasping this, understanding, oh my gosh, I get it. If you were anointed to be king, you were called to be king, and you, and you made songs with your heart for God and all these things, you brought glory to him. You took down Goliath because you knew your God was with you, and even with a rock and a sling, you knew you wouldn't fail no matter how big the opponent was. If your God was with you, you would never go down. You would never succumb to that, right? That's the David I want to talk about. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little guy, or I come from a little place, or I come from this, or, or I, I'm the underdog, whatever you know. And then you can all identify with a good underdog story. It's kind of hard for some of us to identify not only with an underdog story, but with a guy who would abuse his power as king and cheat on his wife and impregnate somebody else and then kill her husband. But here we know the word of God, that we know God has actually called him a man after God's own heart. So if you're like me, you're asking yourself, how can that be? Because David knew something that I really hope to impress upon you tonight that I want to get through to every single one of us. David had a revelation of God that could not be beaten in his time. He knew God unlike anybody else. And he knew that God was his portion he knew that God, no matter what he did, no matter the mistakes he made, whatever, how insane they might have been, how selfish the desires and ambitions might have been, whatever consequences they might have held, no matter how ungodly his rule as king might have seemed at times, he knew that God was for him. And so he knew God 
his, his heart never wavered. His faith never wavered. His hope was always in God. Despite his circumstances and decisions that he made, he knew God. And this is why he's a man after God's own heart. And so the wild thing is, it's like, man, why would Jesus choose to enter the world through this lineage? That is some messed up, jacked up stuff going on back then. You know what I'm saying? Because David knew something that the rest of us have to get a hold of tonight. That God wants to be our portion. Can I read you a part of scripture again that was just right before what we just read? Is that all right with you? He said this. David said, he started off that scripture. We read that verse 23. He said, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. When we started off there mid-sentence, you probably got the assumption that God was saying this to David. That God was saying, I am continually with you. I, I hold your right hand. No, 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 no. Or you hold my right hand. No, no, no. This is actually David saying this to God. He says, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. I love this because right here, this whole psalm, we're going to read a little bit before that, is David saying, God loves Israel. Yep. God opposes those who opposes Israel. Yep. God opposes those who doesn't take up his word because God has made every single way at this point before Jesus. He has said, do these things and we're good. All of this is so for your benefit. All of this is for your goodness. All of this is so that your life can be successful and can be awesome and I can get glory through your life. Just do these things. But there's a lot of people who aren't doing these things. And so David is talking about that. He's talking about how God's goodness and his faithfulness never wavers his people, even when we oppose him. Because David says this in himself, his next couple words here, his next couple sentences here, David says this in and of himself, that he was directly opposed to God at one point in time, that he was against him, even when his rule wasn't the way it should have been, he wasn't the most godly when he was doing things. This is what he said about himself. He said, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. And I love this piece of scripture because he would go on to say, nevertheless, no matter my pricked heart, never, no, never my brutishness towards you, no, no matter how I have turned myself against you, I know I am completely persuaded beyond a shadow of a doubt. I am fully convinced. I know my actions don't show it. I know my life doesn't depict that, but I am completely persuaded beyond a shadow of a doubt. I could not be more full of this certainty that you are continually with me. I hold your right hand. And then he goes on to say that you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So Matt, what does that have to do with our potion versus our portion? Well, I think it kind of comes down to human condition, which I think David is probably one of the most human people in the Bible. Y'all ever recognize you're human? Is there any Jesus followers in here that recognize that you are human tonight? I think that's a good thing to recognize. It's not a scapegoat, but it's a place to start. It's not a scapegoat, but it's a starting point. And so there's this thing called the human condition, and nobody exemplifies this in the Bible more than David. There is this thing called the human condition that we are fractured, that we are broken, that we are hurting, that something happened at some point in time, we're actually going to get into that later, that fractured the human soul as we began to go on and procreate and fill up this earth. We are human we have a condition, it's called sin, and we are broken, and we are fractured, but thank God for Jesus 
that as we learned in the last series, that you should check this out online, that we can actually follow Jesus so well and, and get into this thing. And he can change us so much. He can change us. Not us change us. Not our works change us. But he can actually change us that we can be complete, built up, lacking nothing. But we have this thing called human condition. I think that's where potion versus portion comes in, all right? Because God wants to be our portion. David just said, you are my portion forever. But the human condition would have us believe that we don't necessarily want God to be our portion. Because if God is our portion, that means our relationship is on his time. It's on how he says. It's his way is not my way. How many of you know some people want to go by Matt's way? How many of you know so many times you want to go by your way? It's his way, not our way. It's his favor, not our works. It's where he starts things, not where we start things. It's his dream for our lives, not our dreams for our lives. It's his calling for our lives, not what we feel like we're called to all the time. So portion means that we submit ourselves to God and we take on what he has given us. This is what he called us to do. This is what he birthed us to do. But so often in this life, because of human condition, we don't want a portion because we don't want him to have that much control or that much say in our lives. We want a potion. Because a potion is an antidote, right? It's when I'm hurting, I call you up and I get something. It's when I'm in need, I call you up and I get something. No, 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 I'm not submitting my life to you. I just know that there's a remedy, and so I'm going to hit you up when I need the remedy. But the rest of the time, nah, miss me with that. Oh, I know God is able to do this, so when, you know, my wife leaves, finally he'll get some of my attention. I know that God, and the boy walks out on me, then I'll give him some of my attention. When the job search isn't working out, then I'll give him some of my attention. When the career isn't happening the way I wanted it to, then I'll give him some of my attention. Oh, yeah, because I need a potion. I'm not looking for a portion who actually directs my life and loves my life and has birthed me for greatness. No, I want to settle for a quick fix called a potion just so I can get by for another week even though he'd rather have a victory in our life of a lifetime. But we want a potion because we're human. And if you're like me and you have a past, anybody in here comfortable enough to raise your hand so you got a past? It's okay. You are in a church full of non-perfect people, but we have a perfect Jesus who is redeeming us every single day. Making us more like him. It's called the sanctification process. We can talk about it later. But I have a past. And I know potions in my past. Whether that was like, yo, I know somebody has the hookup. I know somebody that has the substance. I know somebody that can get us the alcohol because we're not old enough. I know a girl that I can hit up. I know somebody that can just, and I'm so twisted back then. It wasn't even, there's kids in here tonight. It wasn't even adult things that I was looking for. I was looking for some emotional whatever. <laughs> I can't even describe it. That's how messed up it was. I'm talking to you because it's an emotional thing. I needed somebody to stroke my ego. I'm hitting her up late at night so that she tells me how great I am. All of these things. This is, this is, this is what I was dealing with. The human condition is that we want a potion. We don't want a portion. We want a potion that's going to be a quick fix, that's going to give us a next high, that when we're jonesing and we just need to get by for a week and we got the scratches, whatever it is, sex, drugs, love, money, notoriety, fame, attention. Please, somebody just give me some attention. I appreciate anybody tonight. I want a potion in my life. I don't want a portion. 
A portion I have to submit to. A portion I actually have to say, it knows better than I do. A portion I have to say, not my life, God, but yours. No longer I that lives, but Christ that lives through me. I got to lay these things down. Friends, that leads me to one of my points tonight. We're not even a point kind of place, but I do want to have you write this down. How we view God directly influences how we engage God. How we view God directly influences how we engage God. Is he our potion or is he our portion? Is he our savior or is he our dealer? Somebody's tweeting that out right now like, yo, this pastor just said something crazy about drugs and God. It was nuts. Is he our genie or is he our God? Is he our idol or is he our God? Is he what gets us by and only gets our attention when our world is falling apart? Or is this a relationship where I speak to him when I'm winning and I speak to him when I'm losing and when things aren't going my way or when I'm on top of the world? Is he my God? Is he my portion or is he my potion? God didn't, Jesus did not go to the cross to be your potion. He went to the cross so he could be your portion. He didn't go there so that he could just get partial of your life. We say it all the time. Jesus didn't come to take part in your life. He came to take over your life. He's not interested in being your one-stop shop, quick fix to get something into your life and do all that. No, no, no. He's not interested in that. We had that. It's called the Old Testament. We had that. We had him at far off where we were comfortable with him doing whatever it is that we wanted to. And then when we needed to get out of something, we could just sacrifice some lesser life form on this planet and call it good. We had that. When our wants and our needs were to get this, were to be answered by his potion, we had that. It wasn't enough. God isn't interested in meeting our wants or giving us our wants. He's interested in meeting our needs. And so when he went to the cross, he trumped, I hate that, that's a bad word nowadays, but he trumped our wants for our needs. Jesus Christ, he went to the cross. And if he never did another thing in our lives, how many of you know he did everything there was to do by defeating sin, hell, death, and the grave, and the liar known as the devil when he went to that cross? If he never did another thing for you again, he's done everything. But this is our God. It's better than that. He's more than enough for you. He is your portion, which means that he doesn't just leave you where he found you on that cross when he came to know you. When he crossed paths with you in your life and you decided this is where I'm going. No, 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 no. When he met you that day, whenever it was, that started something where he wasn't just your hotline bling late at night. Or when you were in the heat, or he's not your parent when you got in trouble for drunk driving and you need to bail money. He's not that. He's better than that. He's more than that. He is your portion, not your potion. He's not interested in getting out of jail or out of hell free cards. No, no, no. He's interested in a relationship with you. How you view God is going to influence how you engage him. I'm here to tell some people tonight that your God actually wants to be involved in your life. He's more than just this religious thing that you do on a Sunday so you can feel better about your humanity on Monday or on Saturday rather. He's not this place that we go to on Sundays to repent and regret and be like exosketch Christianity and forget about what took place on Saturday. No, no, no. He actually wants to redeem Saturday. He wants to replace Saturday. He doesn't want you to go out and do these things that aren't going to satisfy your soul. He wants to satisfy your soul. And out of what took place on Saturday that we're so desperate to exosketch away? No, no, no. 
He wants to say, you see that? You see what you're doing there? I'm not mad about it. I'm not angry about it. Some of, the, some of you guys tonight, that's news to you. The good news of the gospel, he ain't mad at your sin. Believe it or not, the Bible does not say he hated your sin so much and all of your mistakes and your ugly and your shame and your guilt, all that stuff, that's what held him to the cross. No, no, no. The Bible actually says God so loved the world that he gave up his only begotten son so that whomever believes in him will have eternal life. It wasn't your sin. It wasn't your guilt. It wasn't your ugliness. It wasn't the things that you were told growing up. It wasn't your failures. Nothing you could ever do. David can change that. He went to the cross because he loved you. He stuck by with David because he loved him. Murder, adultery, miss me with that, God says. My love for you can't be moved no matter how hard you try to disobey or to go the other direction. I am ride or die. Scratch that. I've already died, so I'm just the ride on your life from here on out. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? Y'all good out there? What we got on that clock? All right, we about to wrap this thing up in a minute. Hold up. Whew. It's a little hot up here on these, these lights. <sighs> I did that once. Somebody fell out. Kidding. Anyways, y'all podcast listeners, you don't know what just happened, but it was amazing. I want to take this into identity for just a second. I want to speak to the identities in the room. That fracture that happened, that thing that happened in the history of human, the thing that made us human condition that Christ came to redeem because he loved us so much that he could not bear to see us for one more moment fractured the way we were since that day in the garden. Y'all know about the Garden of Eden. Catch you up. Two people were made. Adam and Eve. It was awesome. They were in the garden. Whole nine yard. Devil rolls up. God gave us free will. Can I say that real quick? God gave us free will. Can I let you know? He gave you that. That's a good gift. Okay? That's a good gift. The Bible says that every good gift comes from the Father. Free will is a good gift. We would not have free will if he did not tell us, yo, this thing, don't touch it. Well, what do you mean? Because if there was no thing that we couldn't do, it wouldn't really be free will. If we could ever choose to not obey him or not love him, that wouldn't be free will. That would be something that a lot of people, and rightfully so, go to jail for. Forcing love on somebody is not okay, says our God way back in the first book of creation. He didn't want to force you to love him. He could have made you that way. He could have just built you that way where you had no other choice, but if there wasn't choice, there'd be no love. So here we have the scene. We got Adam and Eve, and there's this serpent, which we know is the devil that comes up on her. It was like, that tree? He gave you all this, but you can't eat that tree? And she was like, yeah. He gave us all this, and he said, the one thing we can't do is that. Satan goes, you know why that is, right? Eve's like, yeah, because he said don't do it. <laughs> Duh. And Satan's like, no. That tree, he knows that if you, you eat of that fruit, that's going to make you like him. That's going to make you a god. 
more than you already are. And she was like, what? He's like, yeah, that tree will make you equals. He doesn't want you equal to him. He doesn't want you to have that. He doesn't want you to be like that. And I say more than you already are because if you're in here tonight and this is your first time hearing the gospel of Jesus, you got to know that you were created in the image of God. There is nothing that can fracture that. That is a simple truth that some of you need to deposit in the bottom of your heart and deep in your bones and in your soul tonight that you were made in the image of God. And that image is what he came back for because he loves you as you were part of him. And so homegirl's like, I ate that tree. I could be like him. And the devil's like, yeah, that's exactly why he doesn't want you to do that. And it was at that moment when she bit that fruit and when Adam followed suit that they turned on each other. Adam blamed the woman. Always a guy blaming a woman, isn't it? Come on, man. Let's be better than Adam. You're always wrong. I'm saying that because my wife is here. But something happened in that moment where God was no longer our portion. You see, a portion... He created all this. He gave us all this. He gave us this world. He told us to be fruitful and to multiply. And he gave us all of this. He gave us the ability to name animals and do these things and to create. He gave us all of this. This is our playground. Have with it. We're in perfect right standing with God. There is no fracture at this moment. He's there with us in the garden. We know him personally and physically. We see him. We walk with him. We hear him. We've touched him. And this is the moment where we went from viewing him as a portion and we went to viewing him as our potion because he created that tree. And we decided that we were no longer content with him being our portion and him being enough for us. No, no, no. We had to get a potion. We wanted to be enough for us. In fact, we didn't want to just be enough for us. We wanted to be enough for anything to come after us, anything that would ever follow us. We wanted to be God. And that's what happened. I don't know how this turned into an identity series or identity message right now, rather. But there's some of us in here tonight that need to understand that it's the Father who does the heavy lifting, but it's the inheritance that belongs to the sons and the daughters. Do you know what portion means in the Bible? When David and all these times back then, it's actually Leviticus too, it's so many times in the Bible that portion is referenced. Portion is an inheritance. So if you're wondering this whole night, I'm new to church, I don't understand what a portion is. I hear a potion. I've seen some witch movies. I get it. Halloween Town 1, 2, and 8. Got some millennials in here. I know what a potion is. What's a portion? Portion, portion is an inheritance. God is saying, I am your inheritance forever. The heavy lifting is mine. The inheritance is yours. The work is mine. You don't have to work to get to me. You get to enjoy me. You get to enjoy this life. I have given you an inheritance. Your portion is me forever. So there's some people in here tonight that got to get this around their heads and you've got to understand this. You've got to deposit this deep down inside you. And then when the enemy comes or anybody comes into your life and tries to tell you differently, there's some poor theology out there that is disguised around some great lights and some bigger churches and some buildings that I would kill to have that would have you believe that is not what he is talking about right now. That you have to work to get to God. If you could have worked to get to God, if your way would have worked, it would have worked by now. If Matt's way would have worked, it would have worked by now. 
if I could get this inheritance and achieve this status and do all of these things on my own, completely sated by myself, completely satisfied by myself, if I could do that, it would have worked by now. But we have a God who is saying, man, your potions aren't working. You can run in those directions. Things can happen to you all you want. And you can try and get your quick fix. But you can miss me with that. I love you enough. I am more than enough. He wants to let you know tonight that he is your portion. And since he's your portion, he is more than enough. Those remedies that you keep going out and trying to try and get, and those girls, those guys, the whole nine yards, those substances, those beers, those daiquiris, whatever it is. It was just three drinks. I didn't know how much it was. Those things. He's enough. Alcohol is not bad. People aren't bad. Things can get corrupt sometimes. Things can be in the wrong place. A good thing becomes a bad thing when we initiate it at the wrong time. But God is never a bad thing. He is always good. He is always faithful. One other thing I want to leave you with real quick tonight, and I know we got to get ending things here. Worship team, you can begin to wake your way up here. One thing I want to leave you with tonight before we go back into this final song is this. He's your portion, not your potion. How you view God directly influences how you engage people. See how I switched that up? Before we said how you view God directly influences how you engage God. How you view God directly influences how you engage people. How you engage people with God. Jesus, when he went to that cross tonight, friends, One of the biggest misconceptions of Christianity of all time was that he went to that cross simply for you. No, no, no. This was a a three-part plan that Jesus had on that cross. And I'm not going to make a pun here about how he was dead for three days and rose again. He had a three-part plan when he went to that cross. His plan when he went to that cross, step one, kick the devil in the teeth. Somebody ain't never heard that in church before. Kick the devil in the teeth, step one. Step two, get to you. You ready for step three? Step three, get through you. His plan, our plans, when we want a potion, a potion begins and ends with us. A potion begins and ends in fixing us and getting us okay for a minute. A potion begins and ends with us. A potion doesn't benefit anybody else. It doesn't change anybody else's life. It can't redeem the dead in their lives. It can't do any of that. But a portion, a portion kicks the enemy in the teeth, knocks his teeth clean out, gets to you, and then wants to go through you. Because his plan for you isn't just to leave you satisfied. It's to help you bring that satisfaction to other people's lives. It's to help you bring that fullness. His goal isn't just to fill you up. It's to fill you up until you overflow onto others. God's great plan was never to come here and to simply get you. He wants to get through you. So how can we, you know, a potion... We can keep a potion to ourselves because usually when you buy drugs or you're with a woman or whatever your situation, which this situation is, we ain't really trying to share that. A potion can stop with you. A potion can give you instant gratification for a minute. But a portion, your inheritance, 
Friends, this is the only inheritance in history that isn't divided up in percentages between children. Everybody gets a full portion of their inheritance from God. We don't have a slice of the John 10, 10 life, a life to a full. We don't have a slice, slice. No, we have the whole pie. We have a full portion. How could we ever keep everybody else from that satisfaction? Who are we to withhold that from other people? When this portion is their inheritance as well, their goal when he went, this goal when he went to the cross was to get through you ultimately onto other people so they could have their portion too. This thing called Christianity is all about portion. It's all about inheritance. Man, there are some sons and daughters in here tonight that don't know that they're sons and daughters. You didn't know that you get hung up on the word adoption in the Bible. I was adopted into the kingdom of God. We get hung up on that because we see all these movies and we see all these people. We probably know some people who are adopted. And we know they got a complex because of it. Some grew up in a mixed home. Some grew up where they didn't look like their parents at all. Some of them were adopted at an older age and there was never a chance to even hide that from them. We heard the horror stories. But in the Bible adoption, you didn't realize there was a blood transfusion when you came home. You are not a wayward, redheaded stepchild tucked away underneath the stairs like you're Harry Potter. No, you are blood. You are daughter. You are son. You are prince. You are princess of the Most High God. That portion is the kingdom of God, is the authority of God. You're no longer a citizen of this earth that says you are a citizen of heaven. That's how adopted you are. You have completely changed and you don't even know it from the inside out. You might have some things in your life that you aren't proud of and you got to still work on. We're all on a journey. God understands that. But you got to understand how he sees you. He steps out of time and he sees you where you are now and he sees you as you were before he found you and he sees you complete, lacking nothing in the name of Jesus at the end of it. He sees you as perfect. He sees you through Jesus. He sees you just as much a son and just as much as a daughter as if you were Jesus. When he sees you, he sees Jesus. When he sees you, he sees his portion. When he sees you, he sees heavy lifting, worth it. Hard work, worth it. Invading heaven with Jesus and the whole nine yards, bringing him to earth, all of it, worth it. All the times you went backwards and you turned your back on him as you were upset and you were disgruntled because you didn't get the position. All the times that he went years and weeks without a phone call from you. Worth it. Because he's your dad. You're a son and you're a daughter and he is your portion forever. Is that good news? Would you stand up? We're about to go into a song called You Deserve It. You deserve it, right? We're going into a song, You Deserve It. The whole point of this song, if you don't know the words, it's on screen. whole point of this right now is for you to take what you just heard right now and apply it to your life in this moment. Because you know what? He is worthy of this worship that's about to take place. He is worthy of you mumbling some words a couple times in the chorus until you learn it. He is worth this moment. 
of saying, you deserve it, God. Because you didn't have to come, but you did. You didn't have to die, but you did. You could have snapped your fingers because you are the God of the universe, and this thing could have been corrected. But blood for blood and bone for bone and body for body and heart for heart, he held himself to that cross because you are worth it. And since you're worth it, he deserves his praise. Amen. Yeah.